Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, I'm Chris Penwell from ActiveQuest. And I'm Joseph Yaden. We are a video game podcast that takes a deep dive into the news, covering the latest gaming trends and stories pertaining to the industry. We also do our best to cover the most recent games and like to have an ongoing discussion with the audience. You can contact us on Twitter at ActiveQuestShow or via email at activequestpodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play. We appreciate you listening, everyone. And now, on to the show. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Hey, yeah, you. Did you know that Arcast is on Patreon? Go check out patreon.com slash Arcast for ways to help out the show and get some sweet perks in return. It could be something small such as our $1 tier to show your support. Or join one of our higher tiers to get a shout out, pick an episode topic, or even be a part of the show as a special guest. Even just sharing our show to your friends goes a long way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Arcast. Thanks for helping us and keep it retro. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 198 of the Arcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is a familiar voice you may have heard before, Candace Shane. Hi! Yeah. Uh, so just really glad to have you back on here, Candace. And um, also, we have a very special guest. Very, very special guest, I should say. Um, so he is a co-host for Classic Tetris Monthly. Uh, he is an ESPN Esports host. Uh, and he was also a former professional wrestling commentator, uh, Arda Okal. So how's it going there, Arda? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm a big fan of the podcast, by the way. I do listen. I try to listen every week. Uh, definitely caught the last episode with Morgan. Uh, big fan of the podcast. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it blew my mind, honestly, at the fact that, uh, you know, that you're, like, a fan of the show and everything. Because, like, you know, I, I've heard your name, like, around in circles and everything. So it's like, oh, cool, we got Arda as a fan. So all is right in the world. <laughs> There's a Venmo coming my way, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> your check's in the mail. <laughs> okay, good. Just check it, just check it. Exactly. What's really funny is when I got the message, I got the text from David asking if I wanted to come on, I recognized your name. And I, I couldn't remember how I recognized your name. And it was like really driving me crazy. So I looked you up and I was like, okay, no, this is just making it worse. I really, really recognize him. <laughs> and then I realized you were on an episode of an old podcast that I was a part of called the gamers garage like years ago oh wow well now we have come full circle because we are both now on this podcast i right. know <laughs> crazy and um you know we are talking about uh you know about like esports and the retro gaming community basically or, or like retro gaming esports i guess would be the correct way of saying it but oh and i have actual questions about this one i prepared well it's nice that one of you came prepared <laughs> <laughs> hey, i i did the show notes okay i did i did my prep fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Uh, but before we get into retro gaming esports, uh, we do want to hit up the news here. Uh, starting off with something that I know 
that Arda here has a lot of strong opinions on here, uh, which is on the Tiger Electronics toys making an unexpected comeback. So uh, Hasbro is bringing back uh, some like Tiger Electronic toys uh, that uh, you may remember. Uh, there's the Little Mermaid, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, X-Men Project X, Transformers Generation 2, and I believe that's it. Yeah, it's just like those four. Um, so, Arda, I'll leave it to you here. Uh, what do you remember of Tiger Electronics, and what do you feel about them making a comeback? When I heard this news, I was not surprised. Nostalgia is a hell of a drug. We all know this. We understand that these games were beloved at some point by some child back in the day that is now an adult and has disposable money. Understood. Some poor child out there. Sure. And I get it. I understand. From a uh, business standpoint, pretty clever, especially because they still have the licenses for these brands, right? Mm -hmm. To do X-Men, to do Little Mermaid, etc. Those brand connections still exist. What people don't seem to remember is that these games were not that fun to play. Especially today. Thank you. You you play them today in 2020. No offense. It's not fun. Like you will enjoy that the the outer casing is more interesting than the game itself. (laughs) They're better if they're left unopened, honestly. I'm so glad you said that because I was literally thinking about a situation that I would be in where I'd have fun with this. (laughs) And I couldn't think of one. All I could think of was taking out the package taking a picture of it, and then never touching it again. Exactly. That's a very good point. You are going to pay, what is the price point on this? $29.99? $15. You are paying $14.99 for a social media post. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's pretty much a retro gaming commodity in a lot of ways, or like an oddity, really, in a lot of ways. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, because I, I actually have like a little bit of a history with the Tiger Electronic toys, because uh, I, I think I remember having the Bart Simpson one. I think it was like supposed to be based on like Bart, uh, mm-hmm. like Bart versus the Space Mutants. Uh, there was a Batman one I remember having, and I believe there was also a Double Dragon 2 one I remember having. Double Dragon 2 was the one that I had as a kid and, and played. And at the time, they were okay. Like, you still had better systems out there but this was handheld this was probably before the game boy right so you you didn't have many options to carry things around unless you had like game and watch which was similar in graphics anyway yeah so you 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 didn't have too many portable options so this was fun to be able to bring to school or whatever so i get it from that standpoint but in no universe today would people be be saying i'm going to pick up my tiger electronics and play it you might play for five minutes out of nostalgia but that's about it i remember when i was younger this was kind of how my mom would see if i was ready for like a game boy (laughs) it's like before getting a pet basically right she's like listen if you don't kill this you get to have an actual game boy and the problem was i took such good care of it that she got me a game boy she didn't realize I just didn't play it. <laughs> it wasn't good, you know? Yeah. And, and there was no I, dirt on it or anything, like no yeah. grease or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hey, these are still the original batteries. I'm mm-hmm. killing it. Yeah, you know? I'm doing great. Those smudges on the screen is great. <laughs> right. I remember, like, going back to the uh, the actual graphics of this, right? Like, this, remind, this whole thing reminds me of, like, the Atari era where you had those, uh, the, the, the posters and also the box art. You had to actually draw and make it interesting because the graphics were nowhere near interesting to put on the box themselves. It wasn't really until the NES that we started to see that with like Super Mario Brothers, right? Like this is the same thing. You're getting like the nice uh, skins, so to speak, that are on mm-hmm. the games themselves. And then you and then you power on. What I think is would be interesting, like if you go ahead and take this form factor, you take the cost 
$15, right? Mm-hmm. I have seen them do some wild stuff with screens and Raspberry Pis. They could make a cheap version of these things for nearly the same cost that would look good. Why are they doing this? <laughs> Purely for nostalgia, pretty much. It's, it's basically for all those like poor kids who are at the, uh, you know, who are, who are on like the playground, basically, and they like whip one of these out because, you know, either like their mom couldn't afford a Game Boy or they, they just didn't, you know, they, they weren't able to get a Game Boy for whatever reason. So it's kind of the cheap substitute, basically. Right. But people have phones now. Yeah, exactly. And, mm-hmm. yep. and we don't need these. We don't. But what I, I do, <laughs> I do think that these are great for collectors, people who like That's to, basically it. Uh, yeah. Right. To collect things that are nostalgic. I can't imagine that there's going to be a huge demand for them. Mm. Um, like I said, like he was saying, this is a $15 Instagram post. That's about <laughs> it. I, I find it cute. I like to look at them. But I also feel like I could get a high quality skin of one of these things and mm. put it on something else that's far more useful. Like if you get like a 3D printed model or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or like just literally get like a, a high res image and turn it into a skin to go on a switch or something. <laughs> it would be far more useful with my time, then this would be. See, if I got one of these, honestly, like, like I would just never open it, basically, because like the cardboard oh, yeah. itself is like really interesting as well, like with the original artwork and all that stuff, especially it's for like Sonic done. Three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful, and that was kind of the 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 whole thing behind it, right? Like they got you going with the packaging, they got you going with how cool the actual unit was. It was the all game lies. Was trash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The game was trash. You mm. were here for the fancy colored buttons and the art. That was about it. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. They were, they were more fun looking than they were fun to play, for sure. Right. So, uh, but we'll get into something that is more fun to play, uh, which is Halo Combat Evolved. So uh, the PC port is apparently getting a new retro sound options. Uh, so these are basically sound options that allow you to uh, have your weapons basically sound, you know, sound like the uh like the way that the weapons sounded back in um when when did like the original game come out like 2001 i believe sure sure yeah yeah uh it's like whenever like the original halo combat evolve came out so like this has like apparently been something that fans have requested for a long long while because uh again nostalgia and people like want things to stay more or less the same or at least how, how they remember them anyway um so this is like a pretty cool um addition and you know i'm glad that um you know that like the developers were able to bring this like to the fans and just like have it you know just, just kind of like have this option basically be available uh, especially if it has been highly requested so uh art i have to ask you are you a big halo fan at all uh no i well i'm a fan of uh the franchise and i respect it i wasn't a big halo player in fact the first time i played halo uh, was on an ESPN esports stream, uh, and I was dreadful. I, I'm very bad at FPS games. <laughs> I fully. I saw you it. play Overwatch. Yeah, it was terrible. It was, it was <laughs> absolutely horrible. I'm bad at any 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 game involving a weapon, uh, a gun. I'm terrible at. The only one that I was good at was Doom, and the only reason I was good at Doom was because it had the BFG in it, and it could wipe out everyone in the room. And that's the only reason I was good at it. You get your screen clear, and you're all set. So yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we love honesty. I mean. Covering it as an eSport is different. That I enjoy. But for this particular piece of news, I think it's clever. I mean, we, I, I, I can note multiple examples of some sort of retro touch being brought to a current product. Monday Night League is a perfect example. League of Legends just launched their version of Monday Night Football, and the transition effects are all like 8-bit sounds. Right. So like that's, yeah, it's, it's a nice little touch there. And I feel like that's exactly what people are going to think 
when they're playing this and they have the retro gun sounds and uh, have that little piece of nostalgia because they're going to enjoy it. Like it's not going to take away from their gameplay experience. It's going to enhance it. They're going to get a little bit, uh, it's going to be a little bit more fun for a little while. I don't think it's going to be a permanent thing that people use, but it's fun for now. So, so good. It's a win all around, I think. Absolutely. Uh, Candace, I was curious in your thoughts with uh, adding the old school sounds from Halo. I always have fun with that stuff. I mean, especially if it's a fun little option that you can click on or off. Yeah. You know, it's it's definitely not something I would pay for. Mm. Yeah, I think it's just meant to be like an update, basically. Right. Yeah. If it's as long as it's a free little like thing that they slide in for people who appreciate that stuff. I enjoy that. I feel like when companies kind of will try to profit off of mm. those things, it can get kind of dicey. Yeah. It's like this is originally what was in the game. It's not like, you know, this is something that everybody's going to appreciate but also, it, it's a fun little thing to, to add on. I just like to make sure that people are are not getting cheated. Yeah. I mean, I think it is good. I mean, like, it depends on the context, right? I mean, like, in this particular case, it's something that's been highly requested by fans for a long while. And now, you know, it's only just now that they're adding this in here. And uh, so yeah. it, it just, like, makes sense that they would just add it in there as, like, a free option. Just kind of, like, uh, put themselves no, in the good graces. That. Exactly. Yeah. The, the only time I get concerned is you know, like microtransaction stuff or right. when it feels like stuff's getting tacked on just to take advantage of fan bases. Then I get a little iffy. But I read on this and they said that it was just going to be, you know, given to the fan base for free. And I thought that was really awesome. Now, um, I could be wrong on this, but uh, I'm trying to remember how I got the... Um, it was the, There were like retro skins, basically, for Resident Evil 2 Remake, uh, where you can have um, Leon and Jill, uh, basically the way that they looked in the PS1 original. Yeah, it was free. Um, it, it, was, it was free. Okay, all right. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. remember if it was free or if it was like either, a DLC thing. Either it, yeah, either it was free or it came with a season pass. I have, I have like the the fancy edition. Okay. Um, and I saw that they were free, so I'm thinking they were just given. And I think they actually did add in like the old school um, was like the old school like sound effects and the uh, yeah. the and, and like the music as well in there. So that you know, I, I always like appreciate these little touches. But um, it's like you said, Candice. I mean, like it all kind of depends on like how they handle it and all that. So yeah, I just don't want people to take advantage of nostalgia and fan bases. That's all. I feel weird about that. Um, if if a fan base is willing to shell out money to have something that they've already had, mm. that's on them. That's fine. Choose what you want to do with your money. But I feel like um, it's already there. It already exists. For you sure. know, you, the most you're doing is cleaning up and and putting something, you know, a reskinning, essentially. Don't don't go crazy. Don't charge people too much for it. With remakes and remasters, you know, I think that's a different story entirely. But yeah, I'm really excited that these PC players are going to get to have those old sounds that they missed out on. Well, speaking of remasters, uh, DuckTales Remastered is coming back. Uh, so Nice segue. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be available to purchase again for PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, Xbox One via backwards compatibility, uh, Wii U, and Steam. So... Um, Arda, I know you really love DuckTales because you had a uh, quite the positive reaction when I put this in the show notes. Um, <laughs> Let's go! In all <laughs> um, so have you played DuckTales Remastered or at the very least the original NES game? Definitely the original NES game. I didn't buy it on uh, Remastered just yet, but I will now. The Wii U part is a lot. I wonder if they also will release it on the Switch. I'm assuming so. 
That's what uh, I was wondering who's, too. Who's buying a Wii U these days? But um, <laughs> you know, that, okay, do you think is, that was a mistake? It has no. To be. I mean, because because I think they're they're basically having it um, having it, like available again on the original platforms when it originally came out. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Because I see it says PlayStation Three. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. So I'm hoping that it gets ported over to all of the new systems. Let's just assume for this conversation that it does, right? And by the way, oh, I'm sure. Side it will. note. <laughs> The Wii U is very is a very underappreciated console. It gets maligned a lot, but without the Wii U, there is no Switch, right? It's like, true. We, it's yeah. It's the perfect bridge. Yes, I mean, between 100%. the Wii and the Switch, one hundred percent. Basically, that giant clunky uh, controller that you walked around with for thirty feet before <laughs> you lost connection—that is the Switch today. Yeah. The Switch Lite in a way. Uh, before before the Switch Lite was the thing, anyway. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, I mean, short thought on this is uh, DuckTales for NES was one of... It was definitely an underrated game because I feel like there were so many side-scrollers that got higher billing, you know, the Mega Mans of the world and obviously the Super Mario games that got better billing than DuckTales did. Mm, but that billing, is a game I see what that, you did there. Billing, ah, <laughs> yes. Ah. Let's go. <laughs> uh, it doesn't get the due in terms of like top side scrollers. I mean, it'll be in the conversation here and there, but definitely not consistently. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. I think it should be because it definitely holds up today. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And if somebody played it today and had never played it before, they would have fun with it. And that's really the key to me for a game's longevity, even decades later, is can you enjoy it today? And is it a fun experience? And with DuckTales, the answer is yes. I also think that the remaster is going to help those people who have issues with playing older games and them not visually appealing to them. Mm. You know, um, I know I still enjoy the way the old DuckTales looks. I, I didn't need it to be remastered necessarily, but I know that there are plenty of games that are older that I have a hard time with because visually they just, it's just, not really working for me you know just a few games not all of them but i know there's plenty of people who see old game and they know that it was older and they know that it's being re-released and they're like wait did they fix it right <laughs> and then my brain tweaks a little bit um and i think that re- the remastered ducktales is really really beautiful they did a good job yeah. with not overdoing it it's not a castle of illusion scenario, and <laughs> right. I appreciate that. So I, I'm, I'm happy with with uh, this remaster. I'm glad it's back. And uh, if you do still want to play the original game and like all the original like Capcom Disney games as well, uh, there is the Disney Afternoon Collection uh, that yep, you can buy too. It. So uh, that's definitely well worth your purchase for sure. Uh, but the remastered DuckTales, though, that, that, is a, that is a really, really good title. I did play through that myself, and uh, I was really excited to play through it. And just it's just like an absolutely amazing game, uh, especially when you consider that um, I believe they brought back most of the original voice actors from the TV show. They did. And they're, yeah. yeah. And the music. And the, the music is cleaned up, too, and, and mm-hmm. really good. Absolutely, yeah. So. That's really, really cool. And uh, the last story that I got here uh, is definitely an odd one. Um, So basically, Call of Duty Modern Warfare is adding their own version of a Tamagotchi. Um, so basically it is a watch, uh, that has a, uh, has like a digital pet basically inside of it. That's inside the game as you're playing modern warfare. Uh, so it's a bit of a meta thing, but, uh, they're calling it Toma Gunchi. Um, and basically the whole idea, uh, just looking at the, um, the little description here is, uh, feed your new friend into contentment by figuring out which emotional state you need to change. They, uh, they head into combat and begin a rampage to feed your Tamagunchi, providing sustenance in the form of kills, objective scoring, kill streaks, and wins. 
Uh, so instead of like actually like you know feeding like the uh, Tamagotchi like pet basically that's in this like virtual item, um, it basically uh, grows like stronger or like you know you like give it sustenance basically by uh, by murdering people more or less. So it's a little bit of a uh, like a dark take on, ta- on Tamagotchi in this case. But um, Ardo, I was, was kind of curious like uh, what you thought when you heard about this news. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's not gonna last forever. Obviously, it's a fun limited time thing. And it's a gimmick. It's not meant to be much more. Yeah, exactly. I agree. It's a gimmick. It's fun. People will will have fun with it. It's going to be fun social content. It's going to be fun content, period. But uh, it's not going to last. I give it, I don't know, a month. But hey, I had a Tamagotchi back in the day. Died a lot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to take care of it. Which is right. which is bad because I have a child now, but I can't learn the finger too since then. <laughs> it's like the training wheels, yeah. <laughs> it's just like the Tiger Electronics. It's a fun little gimmick, and it'll it'll go away. You know, it's not like a huge deal kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's a fun thing for you to share on social media, and then you move on. What I appreciate, yeah, exactly. I agree, hundred percent. What I what I appreciate about it is it's very much a think outside the box kind of idea. Whereas with Halo, you're bringing back old sounds which is a very low-hanging fruit thing to do if you're going to go retro right this is let's incorporate a whole other idea that we've never seen probably never seen before in the call of duty franchise or something that is like completely out of the box so that part of it i appreciate very much for sure for sure yeah uh i mean like it's you know because i was looking at the trailer for this and uh it, you know it's all kind of like dressed up to be like from like the corporation basically that's in the call of duty universe and um you know just as far as like just being like an item that you can just like purchase like it's not, it's an actual item that you like purchase in the game to use in the game so it's it's something i guess like beyond like you know say if you're buying like you know skins like for like a character or something like that this is like actually something that you do like look at and like pay attention to like every time you're playing because it's right there on your wrist as you're like aiming or gun and all that stuff so it's it's almost like an extra gameplay element in a sense so um i i do appreciate it for that it's just you know again like one of the strangest items that you can get in call of duty but uh you know it's, it's definitely a trip though for sure welcome that's gonna lead us now into what are you playing with gets and games we've all been playing or have recently beat so arda with you being a special guest what have you been playing uh well the breath of the wild anniversary was yet uh on march 3rd uh, uh, it's been three years since that game came out. So I got in a rabbit hole watching a bunch of Breath of the Wild videos, which prompted me to then start playing Breath of the Wild again. Uh, and I realized why I fell in love with it in the first place. Um, also, after the uh, unfortunate passing of the uh, creator of the Konami code, I went back mm. and played a lot of Konami games, including Gradius. So then I just went on a big Gradius uh, binge playing nice. that game as much as possible. And it, I realized how fun that was back in the day. And it's still very fun. And also as an Easter egg that ended up that obviously the, at least the boss battle was a uh, second period intermission mini game in blades of steel, which led me to start playing blades That's of steel right. again. So I've had this like tangent sort of week of playing retro video games. Wow. Yeah. Just like going back to the old school Konami in that case, for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, how about you there, Candace? Listen, I should have gone first. Um, <laughs> Ladies Arda first, just, I know. Arda, yeah. Arda, no, no, not even that. Arda just outdid the hell out of me. <laughs> I know we're on a retro gaming podcast and I'm like, how do I make this work? I mean, what do you play in this can be like anything, though? So it doesn't have to be retro. Well, for me, it doesn't. There's no choice. I didn't play. Yeah. I don't think anything retro. Um, I I mean, I, I think I can figure out a way to loop this in. 
Okay? okay. Just bear with me. All right. I'm listening. <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake is coming out Let's soon, go. right? Mm-hmm. I played the demo. Mm-hmm. I feel like that counts a little bit. It does. Yeah, I was going to mention that too um, myself, actually. Did you like it? I actually loved it. I had a great time with it. Um, I know a lot of people were a little weird about it. Some people said it was too hard. I was a little confused too by that. Too hard, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Hmm. Um, but I, I've actually been going back and replaying a lot of Final Fantasy, you know, the uh, the numbered games. And just trying to get a refresher for the world and and the characters and even the role-playing of it all, right? And I realized I hadn't finished 15. And because, you know, when 15 came out, it was a really crazy game cycle. And where I worked, every time a new thing came out, I had to write a little bit about it. And so a lot of times these bigger games, these huge games, I couldn't finish before a new thing would come out. And Final Fantasy XV kind of fell into that for me. Yeah, yeah, it kind of fell in the weird spot, I feel like. Yeah, yeah and and so I have a numerous amount of games that I have gotten 80% completed and ha- just, just haven't kicked in that last 20 yet. <laughs> right. And that was one of them. So I went back and I decided to play it again. And when I went to go boot it up, my save corrupted. Oh, boy. <laughs> Of course. So I had to start all the way from the beginning. Yeah. And I think I'm about an hour away from finishing it. And I'm really glad mm-hmm. because I I don't, if, if the save gets corrupted again, we're done. <laughs> I will never see the end of it. And that's okay. Um, but I also was like, I want to go through some of Dissidia because uh, Square Enix released Dissidia as this big kind of quote-unquote free game but also you could buy packages of these characters and Dissidia is supposed to be like some crazy amalgamation world thing where all the different Final Fantasy characters are there yeah it's all Um, mashed up together and they're all fighting and stuff yeah right 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 so I was like you know I'm gonna finish 15 and then because I've played every other game now I will then go and finish up World of Final Fantasy which is their little cute kind of Pokemon-y thing that Mm. they did Mm mm-hmm um, which is still a very fun game. It's it's a different thing, but it's fun. And uh, I figured I'll finish that because I'm right at the end in that one too. <laughs> and I'll play some Dissidia. And then by the time that all happens, Final Fantasy VII will be out. Yeah, yeah. It's coming yeah, out very yeah. soon. Uh, it's April 10th, I know, for that one. So Yeah, so I've been playing that. And for like my streams, I was trying desperately to beat one of the DLCs for Resident Evil 7 which I've kind of beaten every single one of them, but this blackjack kind of game that they have where you play blackjack and you're kind of being held hostage, <laughs> and every time you lose, you, your finger gets chopped off. Oh. And they have the normal one and Survival and Survival Plus. And I beat Survival Plus tonight on my stream. I was very excited. Wow. Nice. I'm playing the wrong blackjack in this case then, yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. Please stick to that one. <laughs> this other one is just mind-breaking. It's very, very awful. So that's that's kind of what I've been playing. All right. Uh, as far as what I've been playing, uh, I also played the Final Fantasy VII Remake demo. Uh, I absolutely love it. I played the um, the original, was it like the PAX West build? It's like kind of PAX West E3 build. They're, they're the same thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's you know still an amazing game. Still amazing uh, You know, from what I remember playing it on the show floor. But this time now, I can actually take my time instead of being like, you know, timed and you know, having people behind me waiting in line and all that stuff. Uh, so that's good.
good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I've said this before on the show, and I'll say it again. I'm, I'm just like honestly just flabbergasted and impressed with what they are doing with this game. I mean, it's I know it's it, it just goes to show like how much love and respect really that they have for this. And oh, I, you I know, I didn't grow up as like a big Final Fantasy VII fan, really. Like I played it like much later, like after it you know, it really released, just so I kind of had it like under my gaming belt, if you will. And um, I enjoyed it enough. Like I thought it was good, but like I wasn't like super crazy about it, like how everyone else was. Uh, but as far as like what they're doing with remake, this is like this is like how you do a remake, basically. Like they're kind of like taking like a little bit of a uh, um, a little bit of like something from uh, from Capcom, really, from with with like the Resident Evil Two remake. So right. it is absolutely like amazing. I really appreciate that. I, I appreciate when a company will come out with a remake. And it's not just this hastily slopped together mess so that they can get money off of it. And you can tell that in the instance of Capcom and Square Enix, that's not what they're doing. There's an actual love for this franchise, and I really like that. And those are the companies really that have like those amazing franchises too. Like, aside from, mm-hmm. uh, like, yeah, I would say, like, aside from like Nintendo and maybe like Sega. Um, you know, Capcom and Square Enix, like they have like some mega franchises that like a lot of people would love to see come back in a, in like a more modern take in that case. So I'm I'm really excited that my my daughter has this opportunity to take part in that story mm. now. You yeah. know, because like we were talking about earlier, there's a lot of people who have a hard time looking at these older graphics and. Oh, the PS1 graphics, it. especially. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like, I'm sorry, even as somebody who loves, you know, retro games as I do, I have a hard time going backwards, like with that game. Yeah. Well, and PS1 especially can be like a little rough uh, for certain games anyway. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And that was one of them. I mean, it back then it was all we had and it was amazing to mm-hmm. us back then. But now like we've come so far. And so, you know, my daughter is 19 and she is getting into all of these games and really excited about remakes. Like she wanted the Resident Evil 2 remake. Mm. And That's awesome. I was so excited. Yeah, I was so excited that she got to experience that. And yes, far more beautiful. And I was a bit more envious because she didn't <laughs> have to deal with tank controls mm-hmm. and she didn't have to deal with like blocky characters that was great for her back in my and day then, <laughs> right i know um but then when i saw how beautiful final fantasy 7 looked i was overjoyed that like she was gonna get to take part in a story and like visually she could abandon the 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 clunky old way it used to look she didn't have to worry about that she would get to see it i you know the perfect realization and the way that people wanted it to look all along. Mm. And what was funny is when I was playing the demo, there was this part of my brain that went, yeah, it always looked like this. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. I've heard right? I've heard other people say that exact same thing, honestly. Like, really? You know, like, yeah, because I've, I've actually heard people like say that um, this is what the developers always saw in Final Fantasy yes. VII, even with the original PS1 graphics. And yeah. um, I can certainly see that, like, if they had, like, um, you know, like, conceptual art for it or whatever, like, this is, like, how they, like, visualized it in, like, their, in their you know, in, like, their head. But, like, obviously the technology at the time just didn't allow for that. But um, right. it, it is really cool now we are seeing this reimagining of, like, Midgard and, like, these characters and, like, all that stuff. Like, it's, it's just absolutely breathtaking, like, what they're doing. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what they're going to do with, like, the rest of the story because uh, obviously yeah. this particular 
um like you know the the full game that is coming out uh on april 10th is basically just going to be like the midgard part from the original game and um and then they're going to like add more to it but it's still going to be like a 40 or 50 hour game basically so it's going to be like a full game uh you know regardless so um so aside from that too i've I've been playing life is strange before the storm so this is the prequel to life is strange Uh, the three episode one right yes i believe it's three episodes uh because i know there's like a bonus episode so there might be like three or four or something like that Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah so this is like where you play as chloe before she gets like the blue hair and before max like you know comes back to town and all that stuff and um honestly just like in light of recent events which i won't get into here uh this has been like a good like kind of like a kind of like an emotional cleanse i guess for me in a lot of ways oh, yeah, I, I can uh, imagine. so um you know me playing this game because like you know, i start playing this game like before packs and all that um mm-hmm. and um you know i i kind of like picked it back up like after packs it's like ah this is exactly what i need right now so i'm looking forward to like actually finishing that um, and here's like a game definitely that you'll want to pick up here. Uh, so this is a game code giveaway for 3000th Duel on Switch. So 3000th Duel is an action adventure game that has speedy, exciting battles as its charm. Fight against monsters with your own style of battle to travel an unidentified world. So if that sounds like a jam, definitely jump on this. This is a Switch code. Uh, so the code is C085JM7L34664. 9M5T. Again, that's 3000 Duel on Switch. Enjoy. And if you do redeem that, definitely let us know at our podcast on Twitter. Hey, I have bad news for everybody. The only reason I booked my or I wanted to come on to the show was so that I could hear the Switch code early and I just claimed it. So sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're bouncing now. Yeah. So yeah. See you later. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Please. <laughs> The perfect crime. I wish that was the first time I heard that joke, but I should really be keeping track of these now. You're almost at 200 episodes. I'd be shocked if that was. I I know. Yeah, I should be keeping like a counter now at this point. (laughs) Welcome back to the stage of history, and that's going to lead us now to the stage of history, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, in the pantheons of history. So I figure since we are talking about esports, and I know this is a particular game that uh, that Arda has. A, uh, has like a history with uh, here's NHL 94 so this is a 1993 ice hockey game by EA Sports it is the first and only title of the EA NHL series to have a Japanese release the National Hockey League had EA Sports remove fighting from the game and the same game engine was later used for the extra violent Mutant League Hockey so uh, Mutant League Hockey was definitely one I played more of than, than NHL 94 but uh, Arda can you same. explain uh, Yeah, <laughs> uh, but Arda can you sports Sports, exactly. Yep. Um, but Arda, can you explain uh, to people like why you have a history with NHL 94? Yeah, so um, also full disclosure, I, I do the play-by-play commentary for the NHL Gaming World Championship, which is the National Hockey League's official esports offering. They do a tournament every year on the latest release, which is now NHL 20 in this case. And so we do an official tournament every year and I do the commentary for it. Uh, but I also have done commentary for the World NHL 94 championships, uh, which is a lot of fun. That is a much different vibe. It is definitely a cottage industry of people in and around my age. Don't want to reveal that here. You can take your own guesses on what that (laughs) age range is. But basically, a lot of people who grew up loving this game uh, and continue to play the game and now get together. uh, it's, it's, It's almost like a family vibe of people that come together and play this game and just love it because it's such a good game. And a lot of people will ask the question if they hear this, why NHL 94? There have been so many titles. Why is this one 
so important in the history of NHL or rather hockey video games. There's a specific it was featured in Mallrats. That too. <laughs> actually, that is a misconception. It is said to be NHL 94, but the game they're actually playing in the movie is NHL 93, or in oh. Rounders. Sorry, in Rounders. Scandalous. Yeah. Scandal. And actually, you heard it here, folks. That's right. I know. So, what you talked about earlier about fighting being removed in the game in NHL 94, blood was also removed from the game. So what you so, see, yeah. yeah, in Rounders, they replaced it with Long, pudding. That's right. It was pudding. It was just a just giant glob of pudding coming out of someone's brain. When Inside information. Check. Yeah, exactly. So in NHLPA 90, so this is the timeline of the 16-bit NHL games. It started in 1991 with NHL hockey. That was the very first one. That one included the actual NHL licensed teams. So you would have the New York Rangers, Chicago Blackhawks, et cetera, all the teams in the NHL, but no player names. So the NHL Players Association, the union of actual players, was not involved in that release. Mm. So then yeah. fast forward a year, NHL PA 93. That is the one where we got the fighting. That is the one where we got the blood. The National Hockey League at the time said, we don't want to be associated with that. We know that it's in the game, but we don't want it to be in the video game. So a switch was made, and that's why that game is called NHL PA 93, because the players are in the game, but the teams are not. It's actual just city names, like Toronto versus Long Island. Oh, yeah. interesting. It's yeah. kind of like the early NFL games, too, actually, because like I right. know some games had like just the teams, but not the players, and then like vice versa as well. So yeah. Exactly. So then fast forward, EA Sports at the time decided, listen, we have to find a marriage here because we do want the team names and we do want the player names in there as well. So there was a coordinated effort between the developer, EA Sports, and the Players Association and also the National Hockey League entity to try and make this work. And one of the conditions for the NHL to get back into the game, at least in 1993, was please remove fighting and blood from the game. And so that's why in NHL 94, blood and fighting is removed in the game. Now, eventually they do concede and it does get back into the game in, uh, later in the series. But that's why particularly NHL 94. So why is this game so revered? NHL 94 was actually uh, the introduction of a lot of mechanics that are still popular today. The one-timer is the biggest one people point to. Uh, you know, the instant pass and shot that is renowned in any hockey video game ever that debuted in nhl 94 and it was very smoothly executed it's still the best way to score in nhl 94 and realistically it's the best way to score in nhl 20 also so like that that tradition still stays on and the mechanics were so sound in 94 that it still stands up today as a fun game to play yeah, because um, I know like this game uh, is like considered to be the best uh, like hockey game in history for a lot of people. Uh, it's kind of like in that same vein as like Tecmo Bowl for like football fans, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is really cool like to see that you know a lot of people still um, you know harbor this as being like you know just being like this like amazing like hockey game and everything. Um, for me, like a lot of my hockey uh, video game playing honestly was with Blades of Steel, as you mentioned earlier, and um, I know that had fighting in it, and like the fighting in that was actually kind of cool too, <laughs> like with the way that they did it. So yeah, it was. A totally different screen and it was a full screen thing and then you were throwing yeah. high punches or uh, punches to the face and punches to the body like that was a whole separate experience from the game itself do you recall the first game where you could make your own player 
Uh, it was later in the NHL series. You definitely couldn't do it in 94 or 95. Right. Uh, I want to I say... I want to say it was... Was it PlayStation? Early 2000s, I want to say, you were able to do that. Modes got added in later on in the series, for sure. Like, you had, uh, you know, create a, a season mode. You had a mm. whole series right. mode, mode, general manager yeah. mode. Yeah. And these are these come and go. I do remember that it was a big deal. Because um, one of the only sports games I ever played was usually hockey adjacent or it was like mutant league obviously mm-hmm. and then i would play nhl right um but i was really excited about the idea of making my own player and this fun thing that i would do is i would make players that sounded like they would be legit hockey players <laughs> and convince my brother they were real <laughs> and i would tell him a ludicrous story to make them really popular to him, right? And it would be like Jeff Smatsky. And he he actually was recruited because he was part of a gang in Calgary. And it was an ice hockey gang. And my brother would be like, I love Jeff Smatsky. And he would play as Jeff Smatsky all the time, right? Yeah. And then what would happen is he would go to watch the actual games and wait for Jeff Smatsky to hit the ice. Oh, my God. He never did. And I kept it going for for just for months because I'd be like, oh, yeah, he's sick. He's yeah. out sick. Yeah. You know? See, if you want to take like a step further, though, you would have made like the actual trading card for Jeff Smatsky as well. I was a kid, man. <laughs> Jeff Smatsky didn't exist. I was a child. Mm. But yeah, I, I um, that was my favorite. One of my favorite moments of playing NHL was convincing my brother, catfishing my brother and thinking <laughs> that a man named Jeff Smatsky existed. Some early examples of catfishing. Yeah. <laughs> But like hockey catfishing. Nice, nice. Ice fishing. There you go. There you Got go. it. There oh, it. nice one. Yeah, ice fishing. <laughs> that's, that's how it shall be named forever now. There you go. But I, I did want to ask, when it comes to commentating, like these kind of games, like I'm, I'm assuming you commentate for people who play this game professionally, right? Yes. NHL? Yeah. Um, do you feel that like you get as excited watching people play the game as you would get watching actual people play hockey? So it's definitely by a storyline basis, right? I mean, when I'm commentating, I've commentated both NHL hockey in real life and also NHL hockey, the video game. And obviously yeah. the difference is with NHL hockey, you're commentating the action as it happens. This person passes to this person, dumps the puck down the ice offensive zone, takes a shot, scores, blah, 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 right? So you're basically describing what's happening there. The added layer, of course, in esports is I do that sort of commentary, but it's only about, I'd say, 60% of the actual uh, commentary that I'm doing. The other 40% is, well, I need to tell the audience about the players that are playing the game because why should they care? There's a third-person layer to it as well, yeah. Correct. Interesting. I like that. You have to make sure that people at home are invested as much as possible in the actual two competitors that are playing the game. Because at the end of the day, it's not Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin actually playing on the ice. They're pixelated. Or Smatsky. Right. It's it's (laughs) No-No Cocoa Puffs or whoever that is the name I saw here. (laughs) And No-No Cocoa Puffs takes to the ice. The best part is is that No Cocoa Puffs is the name of an Apex Legends player signed with an organization. Like, he's yeah, an actual I, person. I, I, saw, I saw, like, some random name when I was researching you earlier, and I was like, how do you keep a straight face and say that so strongly? 
And and then I just out of nowhere popped that off. But yeah, you know, shout out to No No Cocoa Puffs or whatever your name is. You're <laughs> awesome. You did great, buddy. Did great, great name. I like it. I like the cereal too. Yeah. At the end of the there's a big question about how should esports be presented, right? This is a conversation that happens a lot. Now, some people would say, no, we need to treat it like traditional sports. It is a competition. This is the future. This is what uh, the younger generations are investing their time in. Let's treat it uh, seriously like a traditional sport. Other people would say it's more like professional wrestling than it is a traditional sport. So let's ham it really? up. Yeah, let's ham it up. Let's give it a, 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 a the sizzle that you would see in WWE and make it over the top because at the end of the day, we're playing video games competitively. Let's make it as fun as possible. Do you do you think that you straddle the line? Do you think you stay in the middle? We have to. You have to. And it definitely, here's the other thing. Esports is actually a blanket term for multiple ecosystems. People mm-hmm. see it as one singular thing. It is not. Esports encompasses dozens upon dozens of leagues and games exactly they get clumped in by the general public as esports so like league of legends overwatch rainbow six rocket street fighter even the fighting game community has several titles so that all gets seen as quote esports unquote whereas all of these fan bases uh want different presentations some of them want over the top campy goofy ridiculous uh (laughs) stuff Whereas other ones don't really care for that or they want a different vibe, right? It's different demographics actually watching these games. For NHL 94, yeah, for NHL 94, the demographic is older. Like people, I don't know too many. I definitely know, at least from the metrics that I've seen, it's definitely an older audience. So they're going to love the nostalgia factor. They're going to love you know, talking about the old days of hockey and also like what these people are doing and the old and, players in the game. And yeah, all that, yeah, exactly. So like you, you cater to the audience that you're that are watching. Hi, I'm Justin. And I'm Josh. And we host the Pretty OK Gamers podcast. Think of our show as water cooler conversations with a little less gossip and a little more geeking out. My Halo, I think, is Legend of Zelda. What? No way. No. Who are you again? I'm Justin, and we're we're (laughs) rather okay at playing pretty good games. No, no. Every week, we talk about games and their history, and even ask ridiculous questions like, are open world games even good? So come join us every Sunday on the HP Gaming Podcast Network. See you there. See ya. And that's going to lead us now to our main topic, uh, which is uh, going into the world of retro gaming esports. So, uh, Arda, I figure we'll have you uh, start this off, actually, because uh, I want to kind of get into your history as far as covering retro esports. Uh, we already got into like a little bit of it uh, just earlier there, but like um, I wasn't sure if you can like uh, talk about uh, basically like your time uh, also uh, covering Tetris competitively and like you know also any other games too. Yeah, sir. I mean, look, uh, video games have been a part of my life my entire life, my number one hobby, basically throughout my childhood, still today, honestly, my entire life, video games have always been the number one hobby that I seek to. And whatever games I'm playing, I enjoy them very much. And I often play hundreds upon hundreds, often getting into the thousands of hours because I just devour video games as we all do on this <laughs> podcast. And I'm sure many people listening to this podcast. Well. Try to anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I, 
when I started to get into broadcasting and media, esports wasn't a thing. Competitive video games weren't really a thing. You would have local tournaments here and there, and I would go to local tournaments. And you know, there wasn't really somebody sort of shouting into a megaphone or a microphone commentating on video games. It was just more okay. I'm going to help out as much as I can, or even compete in some of them. Like that's hmm. that was the extent of my competitive video game, quote unquote. Uh, interactions at the time. I did pitch a competitive video game show to a local public access channel that I was working at at the time in Toronto, uh, and they completely didn't rejected it because they were like, nobody <laughs> would watch this. So I was like, okay, Do you know, fine, like which whatever. game that was that you were like trying to like uh, pitch for? I was. It was going to be like a uh, a revolving door of different games. It was going to be like all the sports titles. It was going to be like whatever shooter was out at the time. Like oh, so it was multi genre like, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a. It was like a multi-sport each week let's highlight a different game and let's play it kind of thing retro current whatever it was this was like mid-2000s so didn't work out so i got through in my career ended up working in sports in canada that ended up working in pro wrestling etc got a job with wwe moved to the states did that for a couple years went back into hockey afterwards worked at msg networks did some hockey shows worked on rangers broadcasts on devils broadcasts and that's when I started to dip my toe into esports. So I saw that ESPN, uh, where I work today, was launching an esports vertical, and I decided to apply. And I said, "Hey, can I help out with this? I'm big on video games. I love very much, and I I have this experience." And they said, "Okay, we're, how about you hosting our coverage for the League of Legends World Championships? The semifinals and finals are in the states." At, mm. in at Madison Square Garden for the semifinals. I was like, amazing. So here I am, MSG, you know, the, the world's most famous arena, sold out two days in a row, people watching esports. Incredible. What an experience. That's so cool. League of yeah, Legends is great. huge, so yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, through that, I uh, worked with ESPN a whole bunch for the last several years, and now I work with them full time. It's great. Uh, but going back to retro, I, I'm sorry, I veered off there a little bit. But, it's all good, yeah. No. Um, in terms of retro... What we're seeing now, at least what I'm seeing now, is a lot of people who are now, you know, in their 30s and they have families and they played these games growing up, they're revisiting the games, especially as they're getting released on new platforms. The mm. Switch has Nintendo Online, Super Nintendo Online. All of a sudden, these games are available again. And they, it reignites their love and their passion. And there are passionate enough people. You mentioned Tech Mobile earlier. There are Tecmo Bowl championships that happen every year. Because mm -hmm. yeah, we had any... the Tecmo Bowlers on our show before, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And so and so those ecosystems exist. There is a Retro World series. Uh, a gentleman named Hal puts it on that uh, basically encompasses multiple games. Now, are they necessarily going to be top esports that will rake in millions upon millions of dollars? Not likely. I think it's going to remain as a cottage industry sort of thing that We'll have we'll push nostalgia buttons and people will definitely watch if they're on. Now, classic Tetris for me that is a whole other conversation because Tetris as an esport has not been sort of fully formed yet. We're mm. still in this in this area where we're wondering what exactly it's going to look like. Uh, and the reason, in my opinion, the and you had Morgan on last week who works with the Tetris company and she's awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason, in my opinion the classic Tetris World Championships is so successful. First of all, they have a great team behind them. Uh, they have people that work with them that are professional movie directors and also a, a, a gentleman, Trey, who works behind the scenes. He's the one that creates the HD overlays for the, what's actually happening at the CTWC 
is people are playing on the NES games, but Trey made it so that in real time, it's populating an HD screen. So it actually looks a lot better than the uh, CRT television that they're playing on. So if the viewer at home has like a whole different experience, looks better, has statistics on it, the overlays are incredible. And he actually has this kind of experience. Like he works for um, museums around the world and like Coldplay or uh, uh, programming their like light show on stage, on their stage tours and things like that. So like he has all this experience and he does this as a passion, as a passion project as we all do, right? So, mm -hmm. but for classic Tetris, the thing is, is that Tetris has a certain rule set. If you've seen Tetris releases in the last probably 20 years, they follow a certain pattern. Uh, you can hard drop the pieces. Uh, it is a seven bag, meaning each piece, there's seven Tetraminos. Each of those pieces will be recycled in a random order of seven, whereas the NES Tetris, that doesn't exist. So you could go 40, 50, 60, even 100, possibly hypothetically infinite pieces without a line bar showing up, right? Mm. Ooh. Exactly. So that, and the NES one does not have a hard drop. And also, when you're watching the NES Tetris version, the pieces are falling very quickly. And for me, I think that is the secret sauce. To see those pieces falling quickly, it looks like pieces are falling from the sky at a rapid pace. And to me, psychologically, as a human being, seeing that, it creates a, a sense of urgency and anxiety yes. that forces you to watch the television or the screen just to see what's going to happen. Well, it's almost like you're playing it yourself in that case, as far as like, trying to follow yeah. the pieces going at that rate. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and I know I personally have, whenever I watch that game be played, or if I play it myself, I don't blink. <laughs> yeah. there's no blinking you get some clear eyes for that yeah oh yeah yeah right whereas the newer titles it looks like you're building from the ground up because the pieces are falling so fast and you can actually drop them instantly from the sky so to speak so it looks like you're building bricks from the bottom up whereas the nes version it looks like it's coming from the top down so i i, I we mentioned this off off uh, before we started recording but at the last Classic Tetris World Championships, which happened uh, this past fall, which was the 10-year anniversary, uh, it was you know mo more attended than ever before. The numbers on the YouTube videos are very impressive. I'm very proud of them. Like just the fact that I'm involved in that is is really cool. It's definitely like something I circle on the calendar and I look forward to every year. Um, and also, who was there this year was the creator of Tetris, Alexei Pajitnov. Oh, nice. uh, who decided to come and attend the event because he wanted to see what it was all about because he was trying to understand what Tetris looks like as an esport. And I had a chance to talk to him at length because I wanted to know what, first of all, did he ever envision that this would happen? You know, the game that he created <laughs> in the Soviet Union behind, in, a, in a random office on his off time that suddenly became like the <laughs> most successful game ever. You know, like, did he ever think that it would be competed like this? And he said, you know, he's impressed with what he's seeing and he truly believes that the next step for Tetris as a franchise is competitive Tetris esports as it is esports. So I do believe that in the next couple of years, whether it is the NES Tetris model or whether it's some sort of hybrid or something, we will see um, with Alexei's blessing or backing even, who knows, some sort of tetris competitive ecosystem emerge i love that i mean do you feel like tetris 99 kind of like prepares people a little bit for that or might possibly give uh, maybe like a sense of a model for what tetris esports could look like in the future 
I think Tetris 99 capitalized on the battle royale craze at the very right time. Mm-hmm. I love I that think game. So too. Yeah, I love that game. I played it religiously for at least a year, or at least six months, I should say. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I still play it today. Um, do I think that that would make a good, the singular good Tetris esport? I think Tetris works best when it's one on one. I do believe that there is a market for a future Tetris title that is strictly a competitive Tetris thing. Like Puyo Tetris is the closest you have really uh, that you would play on the Switch in terms yeah. of Tetris versus Tetris, but that doesn't always happen. Right. So yeah, I do believe that there could be a title that would incorporate that one-on-one element. And I believe that would be the title that possibly launches the current Tetris ecosystem. But I do believe the CTWC will succeed. It has succeeded and it will only grow from here because there's so much support. And actually last year, starting in 2018, we really saw like a younger generation, like this year's, the, the 2019 CTWC was full of teenagers. Like oh, wow. I would say like 30 or 30% of the people that entered were inspired by the 16 year old uh, that won the tournament. I was going to say, dominated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, I can do this too. I want to do this. And then it just was like an invasion of the teens, which was great, <laughs> which is great to see. Yeah. Just like playing this game basically. That's like older than all of them. basically. <laughs> so. No, right. Exactly. This game came out in 89. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, so I have to like bring up the question then. Do you believe that esports uh, basically keeps like old games like feeling new again? Like, do you feel like that this could be like a resurgence for basically like any game that could be competitive in this fashion? Oh, I, I totally believe it can. I'm just starting to get esports in general. I'm just, I mean, I have been a part of companies who have sponsored esports, and yet I just couldn't really figure it out. I I couldn't figure out if I was supposed to take it seriously. I couldn't figure out if they were taking it seriously because like you explained earlier, um, there's wildly different ways that people, you know, commentate it. There's wildly different ways that people even approach it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's fun and silly and jokey and other times it's very, very serious. (laughs) And, and that breaks my brain. So now that I kind of understand that every game kind of has its own thing and and I think there needs to be a resource for people who want to understand it more because they love games and they want to see people play the games they love and compete. You know, I feel like there needs to be a resource to like get like a starter, like a, a, a refresher course for competitive gaming done in that fashion that people can like watch and go oh okay i understand now because if i had somebody like arda explain all of this to me sooner i would have been fine yeah you know (laughs) i would have been okay i wouldn't have been like i don't even know what they're doing anymore well you got your resource now in this case so (laughs) right right but like like say like i was watching a video of somebody explaining esports and the different types of esports and and the different ways that like you can can take it and like consume it Mm -hmm. i feel like i would have been a little bit more comfortable with it i know that i love seeing people get excited about it though i think that's one of my favorite things is watching people have those moments where they're it's street fighter right and they're they're watching street fighter and they've played it for years and it's a game that everybody has grown up with in some fashion but watching Chun-Li just hit this special moment 
And then everybody just blast up from their seats and screams and waves and claps. <laughs> and it's like, I've sat on my living room floor and I've played a game and I wished when I would have hit a moment like that, everybody would have been that excited. Yeah, like the big audience like in front of you and all right. that. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> totally, totally. Where are my people? I mean, you know, I mean, where's like, my people? Right. Because, um, yeah, because I know for me, I mean, I'm a big fighting game fan in general. So I like to follow, you know, Evo and like the FGC and like all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much like my main esport, if you will. Um, right. You know, so like I, I do remember like big moments like, uh, you, know, like you know, like the Evo moment with like Daigo, uh, you know, like do, you know, do like the full parry on like Justin long like uh you know like street fire three third strike and um yeah. you know it's, it's, it is amazing to see that and uh even though like these games like you know you'll have that these games are like 15 20 25 years old or whatever um you know you'll still have these tournaments go on they're like streamed you can like catch them at any time through vods uh, it is mm-hmm. uh, it is just really really cool to see and um, you know again like sometimes you'll have like some people just find out like new tech as well in these old games that just yeah. haven't been discovered before yeah and i think you know, getting back to to what I was saying, I feel like seeing those moments is so thrilling to me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we've only scratched the surface of what we can turn our video games into competitively. And I mean, not to say, I don't really know. Do we consider speedrunning to be an esport? Yes, I do. We do? Okay, okay, that's good. I like watching that. Those are, it's a lot of fun and it's competitive. So I would say it's a branch of esports. Uh, it's not Is necessarily it kind of like the shuffleboard scenario <laughs> of esports. Yeah, like curling. You know, you take turns. Do, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we consider it the bowling of esports? <laughs> yes. On ESPN, the Ocho. <laughs> right, and and no offense to our competitive shuffleboarders and bowlers out there. No, right. I will say this about the Ocho. That's where uh, class the CTWC started on ESPN was part of the Ocho, and it be, it was so popular on that day. It got like by far the most Twitter engagements, at least from what I was told that it got its own hour special a few months later on ESPN2 as a result. Wow. wow. So that's like awesome. that's pretty crazy that that happened. But I will say this too, going back to your earlier question about uh, does e- can esports sort of reinvigorate uh, old titles? I think speedrunning does the best job of that. Yes, that's mm. what I was going to say. That is what kind of was my gateway into it, right? When I started watching... Um, GDQ mm-hmm. and AGDQ, I was like, well, okay, this is something I could do. You know, where I, the other esports like Rainbow Six and Overwatch and all of these, I was like, yeah, that's never going to be me. Well, Overwatch now has like their own league and everything. And like, right. that's, that's kind of like the next step, I that's... feel like, in this, like esports, you know? You can sit me in front of League of Legends and I'm going to spend 20 minutes figuring out if I equipped a boot. Right? <laughs> right, right. I I'm never going to be there. But if you put me in front of a game and go beat this as quickly as you possibly can, I have more of a chance. Mm-hmm. And I have games that I I know based on my times, I could actually compete there. So I look at that and go, "Okay, all right. I like that." I just was never sure if it was considered an esport. I thought it should be. Mm-hmm. Um but that's another thing. We don't know. Like, we're still, I think, at the infancy of esports where we're trying to define the games that are considered good for that. We're trying to consider what different aspects of gaming can be turned into it. And I'm I'm kind of excited to be here at the beginning of it. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah, yeah. And I and I would love to see older games 
take more of of kind of a its own genre, its own little side, you know, part to esports because that's the stuff that I feel like I could really jump into and understand. So to segue into that, then uh, we should probably talk about like which retro games that we would personally like to see as an esport that aren't already. Um, rock and roll racing. Rock and roll racing. All right, there you go. Um, Art, I don't know if you have like a one or a couple there. Or... Uh, I mean, NHL '94 is a good one. Uh, the Mutant Leagues. I don't know if they would hold up. Like I've, you've you've got me thinking about Mutant League football, Mutant League hockey now. I don't know if they would be entertaining, like uh, from a long term standpoint. Hmm. So I wonder about that. You know what? Goldeneye. That would be a great <gasps> one. Goldeneye, yeah. That's a Goldeneye good one. would be a great one. And 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 I, and I actually hope one day we get some sort of remaster, even if it's not the original characters. Just take the exact yeah. shell of it and just give us new names. I bet you it would do really, really well. <gasps> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I think you're right. That would be great. See, I was going to say competitive lemmings, but I think yours is better. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good too. Yeah, competitive lemmings would be interesting to watch for sure. I'm curious, like how competitive <laughs> that gets. But yeah, absolutely. I just really want to hear Arda commentate for it personally. I think it'd be yeah, great. He's using exploder at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got an umbrella. Yep, I am. Yeah. In terms of any retro esport that requires a commentator, I'm your guy. Let's go. There you go. All right. We'll keep you in mind for that one for sure. Um, I think like for me, I mean, um, you know, this is kind of like hearkening a little bit to uh, to like our listener responses a bit early. But uh, I know for me, it's Power Stone 2 specifically. Uh, I love the Power Stone games and Power Stone 2 especially. And um, I know for me. genius. Yeah. I mean, well, because like I know for me, like whenever I play Power Stone and Power Stone 2, I get like very competitive in it. I get very competitive regardless. But um, I I do I do like Power Stone 2 a lot. And like, um, you know, that's that's like one of those like rare games I get to play. Uh, I did play Power Stone 1 not long ago, actually, over at a barcade uh, along with, like, a friend of mine because, like, they actually had, like, systems set up and you could actually rent out games and, like, you know, you know, play them there, like, while drinking and eating and all that stuff. And um, so, like, I, I saw they had Power Stone. It's like, okay, we got to play some Power Stone, but, <laughs> you know, um, we got to make this happen, so. You're freaking me out right now. I, I can't stop thinking about this, though. That would be so good. It would be powerful, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, Davey. So uh, that will lead us into some listener response. Here and we did have a lot of listener responses, uh, a lot of good ones here. So I'll start off here with our friends here from the Throwdown Show. Actually, Tony Polanco and Chris Seeley, who both said Smash TV. Imagine Smash TV as an esport. Oh, oh. <laughs> yep. like that. That's a tough one. Anything that was like super tough. Like I want to see people speed run like Battletoads. Yeah, you know what no, I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Mexican <laughs> speedrunner is. I would uh, rather really stub my own toe. <laughs> <laughs> right I, I i can see that being a panic attack that i have <laughs> for sure yeah but um yeah if you um if you want to check out like a good uh battletoad speed run definitely check out the mexican speedrunner. he's uh he, he's really really good at that uh and then hassan scarborough uh he he reflects you here candace saying rock and roll racing so <laughs> <gasps> he gets me he gets you exactly yep yes and uh, Oleg Charkovsky says, E.T. for the Atari 2600, we need to dig the cartridges Stop up and it. make it into an eSport. So <laughs> I don't know it. if he means like actually playing the game as an eSport or digging up the games from the desert as the B eSports. Rather, so. I would rather see an excavation race than people <laughs> playing that as an eSport. We can make that happen, I think. Yeah, I could picture the ESPN, you know? <laughs> 
Welcome. Can you imagine that? <laughs> welcome, to, welcome back. Uh, I'm Art O'Cal. I'm here at the uh, the site of all the Atari 2600 cartridges, <laughs> and they're off. And look at that. Yeah, they got their shovels ready. And <laughs> it's day 43. We still have not found the cartridges. <laughs> right. There's talk of a mutiny. I think possibly they're somewhere else entirely. There we go. Yeah. And uh, Daniel Berwick, who says Snake, remember the old Snake games? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Uh, Aaron Harbour, who says, Daily Thompson's Decathlon on the Commodore 64. You're scored on medals, one with points, deducted for each joystick you murdered getting there. So uh, for those of you who don't know this game, uh, because I did like a little bit of homework on it, it's basically like track and field, like where you're doing like races and different events and stuff. Uh, but as far as like how to make your, your character run, you have to like wiggle the joystick like back and forth vigorously. And, um, you know, th- that would like cause like a lot of joysticks just to get like just busted up and like people have to get like cool. new ones all the time. So, yeah, it's love that. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just go ahead and assume that caveman games could be one of them? Uh, it could be. Yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> and uh, Zoe Kirk Robinson, who says Bosconian, but mostly because I want more people to know of and play Bosconian. So, uh, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Yeah, so I had to do a little bit of research on this before the show. Uh, so Bosconian is basically like a multi-directional space shooter, basically. And um, I think it might have multiplayer attached to it as well. I'm not entirely sure. But um, but, I, you know, but I think they're just like a big fan of that. They just like to see people compete back and forth on that one. So. Got it. And uh, there is Odin Oian, I believe is how you say that. Uh, he says Diablo 2 duels, best of three. Holy shit, the heart rate. Not sure if this qualifies as retro, though. So just in case, Bomberman tournaments. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah, I'd be down for some Bomberman tournaments for sure. Um, and Benji Pith, who says Power Stone 2. So uh, definitely reflects what I said earlier there. Uh, Luke Ziedler, who says, anyone remember Tetranet? Competitive Tetris was decent. So Arda, like, I don't know if you played any Tetranet at all. No, I did not play Tetranet. Tell me more about Tetranet. Sure, yeah. Uh, so it's basically like online competitive Tetris, more or less. So it's oh. just kind of like a quick and easy way for people to just kind of like hop on like their browser or whatever, just play online Tetris against people. And I think this was like before the Tetris company really kind of got hold of that and started releasing games that really scratched the itch instead. Okay. So. Man, I was way off. I thought it was like competitive fish tank cleaning. <laughs> there you go, I yeah. thought it was like Terminator Tetris, like Skynet making their own Tetris. Mm, that could I be I think it. you're closer. You're closer. Yeah. Now, now, did you guys play Fusion Frenzy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Fusion Frenzy. <laughs> I feel like that would be fun. It could be. It could be. Yeah, that was the original Xbox like Mario Party game. Um, I still remember the like announcer in that game. And uh, Arda, feel free to like to steal from this, but like he would go Fusion Frenzy. <laughs> yeah. <like> that. <laughs> um, that's I legit. Saying, it was fun. It's like American Gladiators, but like nerds. Basically, nice. I'm gonna incorporate that in my next call. Next there time you I'm go. Doing, yeah, I'm fusion frenzy. <laughs> fusion like, frenzy. And like you two will be the only ones to get the reference. Everyone else is gonna be like, "What? What was yeah. the heck was that? You're fired. Get out." I'm just gonna be off somewhere <laughs> clapping. Yay! I think I had a stroke or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, then there's Bruce Reaper who brings up uh, Samantha Fox strip poker, which um, I had to do some research on that, and that is like one. Did of the, you? Uh, Did you have I, I, to? I, I had to. Yeah, for, it's all for science. <laughs> Um, but uh yeah this is like one of the first like erotic games i think it was like one of the first games that showed um like a nude human being in it basically that has like some Uh, historical context to it uh custer's revenge yes but like as far as like an actual like what could be distinguished as being a human being i guess as opposed to like the atari uh sprites and all that oh Um, well 
Yeah. And then there's, Fair enough. And then there's Ben J. Min, who says Dance Stage Euro Mix, because you'd actually have to be fit to play it. So uh, Dance Stage, if people don't know, it's basically like the European DDR. So, um, Yo, I ain't got knees for that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll play forward to both of us in that case. So. Okay. Uh, and then Sean, who says Pong, because at its core, it's a competitive game. And can't really deny that. So. That's <laughs> uh, true. That's true. Uh, and then there's our buddies here, uh, Jason Skelly Bellick, uh, who says Joust, and Alex McCumbers, who follows up with, ooh, a good pick. I think Killer Queen is basically that. So I actually wouldn't mind seeing a Killer Queen like competitive tournament thing like on stream, actually. Um, I don't know if you played that at all, Arda or Candace. No. 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 Okay. So Killer Queen, I mean, like you're basically just kind of playing in, in like teams and you're just like trying to um, basically like uh, bring like... Um, I forget exactly, but you're trying to. Moet and Shandon. Uh, yeah, exactly. From the pretty yeah. cabinet. Yeah, I mean, like it's just kind of like yeah. this, like competitive, like arcade-like game. And there, there have actually been arcade cabinets for it as well, so it's it's pretty cool and it is very joust-like. So basically, it's, it's gameplay. Yeah. Uh, then there's our buddy here, Casey Sheld, who says, uh, I was at Dave and Buster's and playing four-player Daytona with a bunch of friends. My vote goes to that. So, um, Art, like, I'm not sure, like, how much experience you have in uh, competitive racing games, actually. I was kind of curious on that. I have not. Uh, I've, ca- I've done, like, local tournaments on competitive racing. Like, we did a Rad Racer one. And also, Rad Racer, of course, is part of the uh, Nintendo World Championships 1990 cartridge, right? Mm. So, in those That's tournaments, right. Rad Racer... Yeah, so Rad Racer has a component there. So, uh, but in terms Can of, we just reenact the wizard, <laughs> right? You could do that. Right? We could do that. We totally could. Uh, the thing is, is like, man, racing esports is so interesting. Like, there is a racing esports ecosystem right now, and it's fascinating because actually, a lot, uh, uh, some of those players actually actually also race cars. So, like, there is a little bit of a. Uh, mixture of of competitors that also are into cars and I mean not necessarily Formula One racers but like they definitely dabble into uh, competitive racing as well at least in the newer ones but in terms of older ones I don't know would you do like a Cruising USA championship hmm. or like RC Pro Am or something like RC that, Pro Am yeah yeah because yeah, they could definitely see that uh, then there's Mark Hayes who says, Worms, I can just hear a room oh, full of incoming. Wow, <laughs> wow worms. Worms, Which one? Yeah. Worms Armageddon? Which one would you pick? I, I'd probably pick Armageddon, honestly, yeah. Um, I do remember playing some of the older Worms games, but uh, yeah, Armageddon feels like that would be like the best fit, I guess, in this in this particular setting, so... Uh, and then there's my friend here, Julia Minamata, who says, I'd love to see how good people can get at Gauntlet 2. I also wonder which character would be the most popular. So I don't know if uh, either of you Ooh. are big Gauntlet fans at all. I do like Gauntlet. I do like Gauntlet. Um, I feel like I feel like that would be interesting just to see like what she what she said about like what characters people would favor mm-hmm. and like loadouty kind of stuff like what they would favor picking up and what they would waste their time on. Now I'm just curious. I mean, could it be like I guess like a team based thing and then you have like another team basically like going through like the same dungeon or something like that and I don't know just kind of seeing who gets like the most loot or finishes yeah. fastest or whatever maybe. Yeah, I played with my I, I played that game not too long ago with my friend Ben for a stream. And um, it was just fascinating watching him steal all of the loot. <laughs> and and he was still the first one up there. So that was why he always had all the loot is because for some reason we're fighting everything. He's just running around grabbing out all the gold. And then he always got to the end first. Mm. 
as one and does. I would, I would, I would love to see if like that's a strategy. Yeah, yeah, that's how you do yeah. it. Uh, then there's Rick Highbury who says Star Control 2's Super Melee mode. Uh, I'm not sure if either of you played Star Control 2. Um, no. But uh, Star Control 2 uh, Super Melee mode. So I had to look this up as well. So basically this is uh, it's basically like a, um, like a top-down space shooter. Uh, but the Super Melee mode is literally just like a versus mode of that. Um, so I guess like if you imagine, I guess like asteroids. But instead of like facing off against asteroids, you're facing off against like another ship in a sense. Um, hmm. So it's pretty cool, like a, a, from from what I got to see. Um, and then Amar Sabita, who says Grand Monster Slam. It's another obscure title here. Um, I believe this is an Amiga title, and it's like on other consoles too, I believe. But it's like in that generation, um, and it looks really, really cool, honestly. Uh, so basically, this is like Penguin Wars. If you ever play Penguin Wars, it's uh, basically like where you have to like kick like these weird little. I don't know, kind of turd balls almost <laughs> at like other, at like the other guy on the what? other side of the uh, field. Yeah, it's, it's really weird, but it has like this whole like medieval kind of like sense to it. Like they're like they they look like turd balls like with like eyes basically. So I guess so. It's not Penguin Land for the Sega Master System. It's God. not Penguin Land. No, this is more like okay. Penguin <laughs> Wars. If you ever played that? Because like it's basically like you're you're uh, like a Penguin Wars. Anyway, sure it wasn't an egg. Um, I'm pretty sure it was an egg. It was brown and it had eyes, and it's kind of like a little fuzzy. So it's like it's like a turd that kind of like rolled in the wind a little bit, like from the Venom movie. <laughs> and had eyes. Uh, had eyes. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit of um, I guess like those creatures from Spirited Away, if you remember that, okay. like the little black okay. like dust mite things. So <laughs> soot sprites. Okay, soot sprites. Got it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's very much like Penguin Wars, basically. Uh, Grand Master Slam. But like, it looks really cool, though. And uh, last one here is from uh, Lutz Afer, who says that's an easy one. Pac-Man. So competitive Pac-Man would certainly make okay. sense. All right. I could be into that. I could probably compete. I could be a contender. There I could be go. a contender. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that one easy. Which Pac-Man are we talking about? I mean, are we talking original Miss Pac-Man or are we doing the, the four-player newer version where I'm you're all four like, colliding against? Yeah, you're, that one? I think I... I think I could do that too, but like the championship edition ones mm, are really good. They are really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're they're really really good. And and talk about can't blink too intense like Tetris. <laughs> like the 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 longer you go in those levels, like I stop breathing a little bit. So I feel like that'd be really interesting to watch. I love Pac Man though. Yeah. So. I, I could see that being really fun to watch. For sure, yeah. I think Championship Edition, I think you have a good point there, honestly, as well. I like yeah. like I know for me for four for like the four player, that's just like fun, I think more on like a casual level, but as far yeah. as like actually seeing like hardcore competition, uh, I think yeah. Championship Edition might be uh, might be a good bet. Now there, I yeah. definitely think champion the first championship edition and not that, the second yeah, one. Yeah, the first one it has to be the first one, yeah. Yeah, the second one is I don't even know why they did that. Yeah. But the first one I think would be really cool to see people compete with. Hundred percent. And uh, yeah, that's basically our, our main topic there. And so thank you everyone for sharing your uh, basically like which like retro games you want to see as an esport there. So definitely had a lot of good ones there. And uh, yeah, so like we have like some patron shoutouts here before we close up. Uh, these are two dollars and up. Uh, so there's Francisco Limas, Mac V Ball, Michael Butler, and Rosaline Delo Russo. So thank you very much everyone for helping support the show. And if you too would also like to support the show, you could check us out at Patreon.com/slash/Arcast. And uh, there's all sorts of different like perks there that you can sign up for and all that, and also help support the show. So thank you very much for doing that. If you'd like to send us any feedback, opinions, retro games, or topics for us to cover, or anything. Thing at all really you can email us at ardcast at retrozap.com and be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts 
It's your home away from home if you're crazy about Star Wars, Animaniacs, or pop culture in general. There's also us with Arcast, so be sure to find us on iTunes to subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. So there's absolutely no reason to not follow another retro gaming podcast. And uh, yeah, that's basically at the end of the show. So uh, Arda, where can people go in order to find you online? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Arda, A-R-D-A. And uh, ESPN Esports, youtube.com slash ESPN Esports is where a bunch of my videos are. And on Twitch, we have a bunch of live shows every week. If you're a fan of Esports, League of Legends, General News, Call of Duty League, etc., I uh, find a lot of shows there. So yeah, thanks for supporting. Yeah. Um, and and uh, are there any like particular events that are coming up that, uh, that you want to promote as well? Or uh, What's coming up on the calendar? I mean, I'll be at a lot of Call of Duty League events. Uh, I will be uh, covering... I mean, we, League of Legends is happening. Uh, obviously, the uh, spring playoffs are happening in the LCS. I mean, all over the world, but particularly in the LCS. So likely we'll be uh, attending that and covering that as well. And uh, on the retro side, I'm sure there's going to be more Tetris news coming out. Uh, I am definitely somebody that uh, is uh, trying to help as much as I can behind the scenes to help grow uh, the CTWC and also just the Tetris community as a whole. And so that's definitely going to continue. The NHL Gaming World Championship is coming up. So I'll be commentating on that, uh, which is coming up in late May, early June. So that's going to be a lot of fun, too. Awesome. That's awesome. awesome. And uh, where can people find you online, Candice? I don't want them to. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Candice Likes You on Twitter and Candice Loves You on Twitch. I'm far friendlier there. And um, <laughs> that's that's kind of it. I'm not really doing a ton of stuff that I can really talk about right now. All right. But, um, yeah, but yeah, you can find me on the socials, and I've got some stuff coming out on YouTube here real soon. And, yeah, just follow me on Twitter. What will your, but what will your username be on YouTube? If, you're, if, if you like you on Twitter and loves you on Twitch, what is it on YouTube? Adore. <laughs> Adore. Dislikes? Candace deals with you. Deals with you. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, you you can't go much. You, you got to kind of like pull back a little bit That's for fair. the YouTube. Tolerates folks. you or something. Tolerates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tolerates you. Tolerates you. Exactly. I think you, you got your it. screen name there. Yeah. Yep, you get it. And uh, if you want to find the Arcast on Twitter, we are at Arc Podcast. Same thing for Facebook, facebook.com slash Arc Podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at The Guilty Man. And yeah, that is episode 198 in the books. And until next time, keep it retro. What's up, everyone? I'm Chris from Weekly Games Chat. Along with my co-hosts, Sean and John, we cover the latest video games every Wednesday for your listening pleasure. We also make sure to rant about the latest movies, TV shows, and happenings in the sports world. If you like the show, catch one of our live streams on Twitch, follow us on Twitter, or even take the biggest jump of all and join our community on Discord. All found by simply searching Weekly Games Chat. Until then, I'll simply say game on in your mom's box.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.